Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Thanks for joining me for the second episode of Down to Earth Conversations. I say the podcast is only two weeks old, but what a two weeks it's been. I'm in lockdown in my tiny three bedroom with the five of us uh, trying not to drive each other up the wall, uh, but also enjoying being whanau and uh, making the most of the time that I wouldn't usually get to spend with the family. So uh, I guess there's a positive side to everything. I hope that wherever you are, you are well and keeping yourself safe. Uh, I definitely feel that being in this lockdown is a great opportunity to take stock and see how we can think of others, um, how we can bring a bit of heaven down to earth in their space. Uh, thanks for the encouragement that I've already received from many of you, and especially those who have taken time to listen and to share this podcast with friends and family. Really appreciate your help in getting this out there. I'm also thankful to Ignition Networks. These guys believed in this thing I'm doing and made it possible for you guys to hear it in a way better quality than what I could have afforded to do. Ignition Networks are creators and integrators of deployable communication solutions and uh, actually I'm probably going to have to twist their arm to uh, to interview them at some stage because they totally embody what this podcast is all about. But to today's conversation, uh, today we hear from Ben Scott of Benny's Barbershop in Christchurch. If you're the sort of person who needs some encouragement to just have a go and do what's on your heart to do, then this is definitely a conversation for you. Now, I'd heard of Benny's Barbershop, but it wasn't until I first met Ben last year at the Justice Conference and heard some of his story that I really understood that this guy is about far more than just haircuts and beard trims, uh, although I'm a pretty satisfied customer when it comes to that too. Um, well, not the haircuts, obviously, if you've seen my profile picture, but um, anyway. At the conference, Ben was part of a business panel talking about how you can do business uh, focused on different values and priorities than we commonly see and I just found his care for those who enter his barbershop, his interest in them as people, uh, to be truly remarkable. And his attitude to his business really highlights this idea of being who you are, where you are to bring a bit of heaven down to earth, uh, making the world a little better for those who we encounter. You know, in this time of increased anxiety uh, or stress with financial pressures, a rampaging virus, uh, and being cooped up together with or separated from those who we love, you know, this interview really speaks to the value of listening to people, making time to really hear people. If you don't already, you may wish to follow Benny's Barbershop on social media and see some of the great stuff they get up to. And of course, uh, book in a cup for yourself and experience the place for yourself once we're all allowed to be out and about again, of course. This is episode two of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Ben Scott. Customers will often say, like, great haircut. And then they'll say, like, but better chat. And that's what I care more about. And, and so, like, I don't care as much about being the best haircuts in town. I'd rather do all good haircuts. But then we have a place where people can come and chat. I'm talking to Ben Scott here from Benny's Barbers in Christchurch. So, um, first of all, Ben, why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are? 
where you come from and how you got into being a barber. Yeah, so I've got a, a bit of a random story. I actually grew up over on the West Coast. Um, grew up there till I was 14 uh, in Reefton, a small little town. Um, moved across to Burnside High, um, did high school there. Pretty much went all the way through to year 13. Um, Dad was a builder, so I wanted to go to a building apprenticeship. It was kind of the mentality. Um, and then I used to do my own haircuts and my friends' haircuts at school, but didn't really think of it as a job at the time. Uh, barbering wasn't cool. I guess it was uh, like a hairdresser. If you want to be a guy, you go to a trade. If you're a girl, you go to a hairdressing. Um, and so, yeah, it was random. I went along to my building apprenticeship for a bit. Um, did that for two and a half years. Got dermatitis on my hands. Uh, so uh, nine out of ten fingertips was like if you had paper cuts on them. Wow. Um, so building was not so great. So building yet. was not great for, for, my, for my hands. Uh, is that something that like stays or does it go away uh, the, that's the crazy thing with it is like when I actually started doing haircuts um, and quit building um, the natural oils uh, in my hand and from the hair oh, um, wow. healed my hands up and so which is pretty trippy to see that and so um, so when I'd cut more I'd get more natural oils on my hands and it would actually heal my hands up and, and building products and uh, the chemicals that are in timber uh, would crack my hands and dirt and all sorts of stuff. So it's wow, pretty crazy that it kind of links up all like that. But um, went yeah went through my building apprenticeship two and a half years in. Um, started oh it was probably the Christmas time. I lived in a flat and there's fifteen of us in the flat. There's thirteen boys, two girls, and so lived there. Did one of my friends' uh, haircuts, like called him sick. Did my friend's haircut. And then pretty much when I like realised I was like this is actually quite fun, I messaged all my friends on my Facebook list and said, Hey, I want to learn how to do haircuts for a job. If you come around, I'll give you a free haircut. And then um, kind of started like that, living in the flat, still building at the time. Um, just for New Year's, stuffed up my own haircut, went into a shop, uh, just opened up, and he uh, fixed it up for me. And pretty much just said, Do you want to come in and do a, an interview trial? And I was like. Yeah, I'll do it, but I'm still building, so I'll finish my apprenticeship um, and pretty much cut the guy on the ear with the scissors on accident, like panicked, like, oh. <laughs> um, and he just cracked up laughing, he's like, don't worry, you'll do, um, you'll you'll cut heaps for people on the ear, so I was like, that's random as, but I just went with it, and he's like, what are you doing next um, Saturday, and I was like, rugby in the morning, and then nothing in the afternoon, and he's like, cool, he goes, here's the key, you're running the shop by yourself, um, and at that stage, the only training I'd had was YouTube, and I was still building Monday to Friday. And so I was like, this is whack. I was like, YouTube's oh. amazing. I was like, it's so good. I was like, you learn so much. But I cracked up laughing. I was like, this is hilarious. Like, he's just given me the key to the shop, no experience. And he just said, pretty much, real blunt. And he's like, if there's someone that you don't know how to do the haircut, just tell them to piss off. And it was all walking. So I just opened the door and just waited for customers to turn up. And they turned up, and I had friends come in. But yeah, kind of did that. For about six months on Friday night, Saturday and Sunday during the day, um, and it got to about May. I was ready to pack in. Winter was kicking in. I was ready to pack in um, my building apprenticeship. Uh, got to uh, yeah May the tenth, and then playing rugby in the morning. Um, got benched for some reason. Don't know why. Um, don't often get benched. Then so when I was warming up, I actually got a. a well, I know now what it is, but it was a word I've been like, what are you going to do if you get injured today? Uh, voice in the back of my head, and I was like, mm, that's random. Um, and then kind of just said, made it like a line in the sand, basically said, if I get injured today, 
I'm going to quit my building apprenticeship. And like 15 minutes later, tore my ACL. MCL was wrecked. Wow. Uh, meniscus was torn in half and flipped over. So that was mean six months off work. <laughs> so on ACC and surgery. So from there, I kind of was like, well, that's kind of for a bit of a turning point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be off work for six months. So um, just started doing my friend's haircuts and uh, like hanging out at home. I could stand up for half an hour and I'd go do my rehab for my knee and stuff. And then I could do like an, one haircut and... I didn't have to worry about the financial side of the biz, uh, of getting money because yeah, AC, I was on right. ACC and I couldn't do building. I could just stand up around the house. Um, so then I pretty much was like, okay, well, if this is what you're going on about, I need to figure out my next step of what I want to do to go do barbering. So ACC finished on the Friday, six months after the injury. Um, I made a decision to look into barbering courses and it happened that ACC finished on the Friday and a course started on that following Monday and wow. so there were so many like different timings and things that happened uh, where I was like okay this is kind of awesome. heading in the right direction and I was like this is something I enjoy and something that's lining up with what I think God's doing in my little journey and I was only 20 at the time um, and so I was just like oh I'm just going to trust it and go with it and decided to move to Auckland didn't have enough money to move to Auckland um, but I knew I could book tickets before I went up there uh, that um, I could fly back for one weekend and just try to do as many haircuts as possible uh, for $20. Uh, and that would help pay for my living costs of living in Auckland. And so, yep. yeah, so pretty much from there, came, went to Auckland, came back after three-month course up there and didn't want to work for anyone, didn't feel like I wanted to work for anyone. What, just had a big dream of a, a big warehouse. Um, obviously, there's a stepping stone before you have to get to a big warehouse. So I started with a little caravan that one of my uh, while I was working for the other shop just hanging out they had some earthquake works get done and I said to them I said what about a caravan and they knocked the idea and said no nah, it's a stupid idea and so I wrote it down anyway and put it in my book um, came back from barber school and started a mobile barber shop um, and now yeah we just kind of started doing that and that's so good that like when you had the idea you didn't and someone else said that's a stupid idea <clears throat> you didn't just go oh that's a stupid idea then because yeah I, actually it worked I've had I've had it a lot so like so people you'd tell them your crazy idea that you've like how I see it is like when I'm dreaming or coming up with ideas and stuff like that I've, that's not just me doing it it's, it's, I think it's me and God being like okay well, if we're in this together we've done all this stuff together already I feel like he's got a part to play in it with your ideas and the creative side of it and coming up with clever cheeky ideas I think it's not just me I think it's me and him together and so um, with <coughs> with the, the caravan with the barbershop and the, and the warehouse and stuff like this there was always like a place of like where people could come and have fun and a bit of a laugh and muck around and then carry on um, and so with that many people said that's a dumb idea don't do that when I said I'm going to quit my building apprenticeship um, people said you're an idiot what are you doing you're walking away for two and a half years of your study and I was just like if this is what I'm supposed to do, it's, I'm going to just do it. Um, and what's the worst that's going to happen? I still know how to build. <laughs> so you know, I've learned those skills. and not like you, your skills have gone. They just get a bit rusty and dusty. So um, so other than that, I was just like, stuff up. I'm just going to have a go. And what's the worst that having a go? At the end of the day, if you have to turn around with your tail between your legs and come back, I was like, still got my qualification that's sitting there. I want yeah. to go do it. So um, that's kind of what I was sort of about, and just giving things a bit of a... Cool bit of a stab in the dark and see what happens and if you have to kind of turn around just do it that's awesome I remember 
years ago when I'd sat around going, oh God, I really want to do this thing. But I, I was sitting around waiting to do it. And then I heard someone talk about, um, since Second Thessalonians, Paul prays that God, by his power, may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith so that God might be glorified. But that's like the opposite of how we often treat it. Like Sit and wait and wait and wait well, and wait. Uh, yeah, and often we, we go, oh God, I want to, by, by my power, by, you know, I, I want to fulfill every good purpose of yours. What's the good purpose of yours that you want me doing? Whereas what I hear from you already in, in your story is going, actually, man, it would be cool if we did this. God, let's do this. Yeah. You know, and, and hearing that, um, actually, you know, God's jumping on with that and going, okay, let's do that then. Yeah, and just, and, and how I'd do it is like I'd find a need or a, a thing that I'm like, God, I'm way out of my depth right now. Mm. I need you to either step in and come meet me somewhere in the middle or and I'll bust my ass to get to where we need to get to um, but I need some help from someone and that happened many times um, happened six months ago with the financial side of the business um, had I was well out of my depth so I was terrible at maths at school yeah. and English and stuff like that like most boys are uh, we, we muck around at school and hang out um, and so I just found myself a bit out of my depth um, a lot of financial pressure, a lot of HR pressure of like running a company. There was 17 staff at the time. We were going through a bit of a tight uh, bit into the winter time. We were overstaffed. And I was just like, man, I'm hating this. There was times where I was just like, I want to throw it in. And I pretty much left the car park. I, I was at work, oh, at home, got to work, and I was about to pay wages. And I was like, I need to go do some banking so I've got enough money in the, to pay the wages and keep going. Right. And it was, it was super, super tight. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I'm sick of this. I've done it for four years, and it's been tight. It's been hard. Um, and then God's like, oh, Don't worry, I've got your back. And I was like, Well, if you got my back, you need. So I need someone to step in and take this financial stuff off me. Drove out of the driveway. This is in the shop where the car park is. My neighbour just happens to be walking across the road, and he's like, What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I was going for a bit of a drive, clear the air before paying wages. And he cracks up laughing. He's like. I said, do you happen to know anyone that does financial or um, admin and accounts and stuff? And he goes, yep, my best mate, she'll come in and have a chat with her, have a coffee with her, she's really good at that. Um, he's like, she's not cheap, but she'll be really good at it. Awesome. So I was like, okay, sweet. So basically I'd interviewed someone earlier that week about that job, and I was like, nah, not a good fit. I was like, they just don't understand what I'm about, what I want to do. And so when I met with this lady, um, she came in and I was just like, I was like, one, I know you've been sent from God because I was legit mm. just screaming out about it and then I drove out of the car park. I was like, one, you're sent from God. Two, you have your stuff together. You, you know what you are and she's really good at it. And so I was like, okay. And she pretty much goes, right, so what you've kind of told me to do is only like, this much stuff but what we're kind of talked about doing is this much stuff and I was like yep and she's like okay when do you want me to start <laughs> so, awesome. so she just contracts to me but she basically is in somewhat um, with me her and I'd say definitely God in the context and stuff that we've met um, have turned the business around completely in six months um, well. and it's made massive changes and we've, had, we've been through some pretty tough things mm. in that six months but um, uh, but at the same time, we're knocking down uh, debt that we've built up from yeah. moving in, uh, the fit-out costs and things. 
um, putting good routines in place and like just these little things was where I was like if I carried on the way I was going I wasn't sleeping at night there was there was stress there was extra things like this now I can focus on things that I need to do uh, which is it's great uh, doing some haircuts and hanging out with the guys downstairs that just actually being around and been a bit more present and as you've been myself rather than being this stressed out person that's running around like a maniac so yeah so how, obviously being in a caravan to having 17 staff that's quite a jump yeah big jump so that's <laughs> how, how'd you get from there to there to be um so one caravan on mum and dad's front yard started with so i did a year by myself um got really busy started doing eight in the morning till 10 at night monday to wow. friday usually i'd finish at like five on a friday and then do an eight to four on the saturday um and try have sundays off but it never really worked i just always end up doing haircuts and stuff um I then got too busy and realised I was like, oh crap, I need to either make some little moves. So I started looking at another caravan, so it was like a little fleet line. Um, bought another caravan, very similar, up in Kaikoura. Uh, fitted that out on my Sundays, so on my day off, I yep. would build. So it took me three months to build it uh, over working six days, cutting, and one day thing. And if I didn't have a haircut, I'd just run. It was not right next to each other, so I'd just build. In between and then moved them both into mum and dad's front yard after three months of hiring the first person we were pretty much maxed out again wow. um, so he was booked out so i was like crap uh we need to make some more moves so i hired someone else and what i actually did is i we staggered our hours so eight in the morning till ten at night you either did an eight till four or yeah, a two right. till ten um and i just worked the hours around it um often what i do is i'd start in one caravan do the morning shift and then when they were after the guy finishes eight till four, I'd jump in and go four till ten. So I'd just do the the double double sort of thing with the two hour gap in the middle. Um, after another three months, he was fully booked out. So I was like, I need to make another move. So I decided to buy my old building boss. Actually said, what about a ten foot container? Um, looked into that, found one online, bought it, put it in mum and dad's front yard. So I had two caravans and a yeah, container mums there. And, dads. Um, and then pretty much hired another person. Within three months, he was fully booked out. Hired another person, and I had like six, I think, working from mum and dad's front yard over random wow. shifts and stuff. Um, Realised, crap, I need to find a place because we can't carry on like this. Uh, so I signed a lease on a building. That took about two years to get us into it. Though it was like is that where you early, are now? Yeah, that's where we are now. It was early stages. Um, like they hadn't started development. They'd only just bought the building. They're like, are you keen? This is the kind of initial plan. Yeah. I was like, keen? This is what I want. This is what I want it to look like. Um, pretty much just rent a big box. And then, yeah. and then I was like, right, I'll bring all my foot, my foot out, which is containers, caravans, everything like that. Uh, so in the meantime, Easter Camp had a spare container. So I bought one of their spare containers off them and fitted that one out um that was where i can stack the two on top of each other so i took that one our moving date got pushed back again so i moved one it was sitting in the yard i was paying money to rent it to sit it inside i was like man this is stupid one of my friends like why don't you just rent rather than pay rent for it to sit there and do nothing hire another two barbers and put that somewhere around the city mm. so i put that at addington coffee co-op for about six months maybe yeah, probably about six months. Um, so I did that, and then in that meantime, hired another couple of barbers, uh, and then built another container and put that in the yard, and that was just waiting to go then. That was about three months out from moving into the building. Um, 
And in the meantime, what I'd actually done is I got around a phone call from Helen Steins, and they were like, it's the CEO here. I'm just wondering if you'd like to do, like to put your barbershop inside our barbershop. And I'd already signed a lease in my building. I knew it was coming up. And so I was like, I can't do a long-term one, but I could probably do like a short-term. So I ended up signing two years. Uh, they pretty much did the fit-out majority. We did the inside stuff and then just paid rent and stuff. So it worked, uh, but that's seven days. And so I learned pretty quickly that I didn't like seven days. Yeah. Um, uh, and so two years of seven days was not fun at all. They have two days off, Christmas Day and Easter, and half a day on Anzac Day, I think. Um, and so I learned that pretty quickly, that I was like, nah, this is not what I want to do, and business-wise is not, definitely not what I want to do. Um, so I learned that, and I was like, as soon as we move out, I'm like, no more Sundays, we're done. <laughs> so yeah, so it was good. And then pretty much we moved in in May the 10th, which is weird. So May the 10th, I got injured, playing yeah. rugby. May the 10th, I got, I started the shop. May the 10th, the following year is when, oh, the, so the first caravan was May the 10th. Uh, the first employee that came on was May the 10th as well. And then we moved in to Sydney on May the 10th. Um, so there's like four, like boom, boom, boom in a row. And I was like, okay, this random number. I'm going to remember that number. So <laughs> you have a bit of a party every May 10th? Yeah, May the 10th, a bit of a celebration. But um, that came up pretty quickly. And then you'd sign my lease and just started working silly hours, trying to get the get it ball rolling and get it pretty much all together uh, and then pull them all back together. And then in July last year, um, finished up my lease in Helen Signs and moved it, uh, stuff out of there, and I was like, that's me done. That's no more Sundays for me. <laughs> so, Sweet. Yeah. So that's how it kind of grew quickly, really, really yeah. fast, and that's how I found myself out of my debts really quickly. <laughs> yeah. So never had staff, and then up to 17 within two years, three years, I think it was. Um, yeah, it would be three years I had 17. Wow. So that's a, a lot to learn. Yeah. Cool. One of the things that, um, one of the reasons I wanted to, have a chat with you is because as well as doing all this barbering stuff and having these big dreams and stuff one thing that I've heard you talk about before is how it's not just about cutting people's hair you know that there's other stuff you've got kind of in and around cutting hair that that you've been involved in or that you've seen opportunities to support people or that kind of thing do you want to just tell us yeah. about some of those kind of things so there's kind of like two aspects to it um, one is probably giving people an opportunity to get a job mm. um, so someone that's like I don't know if I want to do this, but I'll give it a nudge. And they might only be with you for six months, but you're like, oh, if you're the, if this is who you want me to come and do, do some time, that's cool. Um, the other one is people come in and they share so much. Like they'll sit down and within a day, or well, what, 30 minutes of meeting you, they've already told you their kind of life story and somewhat. Um, and it's quite interesting that boys don't talk well that much. Um, I notice that in Christian communities, like it's a bit more, people are a bit more sensitive, so or, or they'll like to their emotions, so they know it because it's been kind of brought up in them through the churches right. and stuff. So they'll be like, oh, I've got a crappy day going on. They'll kind of chat about it a little bit, like scratch the surface. Um, in the non-Christian construction rugby scene, it's if you're gonna talk, it's like it often comes out after a few drinks. Yep. Um, but it's not often that you'll sit down and. Uh, talk to someone over a coffee and say this is what's going on unless something really bad has happened and then you need to talk about it and that's what I found and even through myself I was from construction rugby backed around uh, I, was, I was talking to someone about it today actually being like you don't 
you don't talk about it unless stuff's got real bad. <laughs> um, and so my, my sort of thing was like, oh, okay, we can actually talk, like create a place where it's comfortable that people feel like they can just come and share and do what they do what they want to do. And so it was real random that they kind of kept happening. But on the first day I opened the shop, a counsellor came in and he basically said to me, he's like, um, Spanky Moore, I don't know if you yeah. know him. Yeah, I said to Spanky. Uh, it was first time meeting him. He said, "This is kind of going to be. You're going to learn a lot more about people than you kind of expect, and there's going to be a lot more to happen uh, than you can kind of expect." And I was like, "Oh crap!" And then so didn't think too much of it. Realised in about well, it must be like four or five haircuts after that. There was a guy come in and told me about someone who's passed of cancer, or it was something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was. I started learning about people with cancer. I was 21 at the time. People look you in the mirror, uh, they're staring at you, and you've got nothing to give them. You're mm. just like, oh, crap, sort of thing. So I had that go on, and then I was like, damn, I really need to start figuring out a bit of a plan around this. Um, so I just used to call it dropping bomb moments. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds really bad, but when you'd be sitting there and you try to teach one of the younger boys uh, what one of those moments are, is when you're in the middle of a haircut and someone's like, oh, and this person died, or like, it just kind of mm. slips out. And I just said, I was like, you'll know when that moment is and it will happen. And you kind of just have to go with it and just, just kind of just keep chatting and just see what happens and just let the conversation go sort of thing. But as I kind of see it as like, we're not healing people as such as like we're counsellors or anything like this, but I see it as like a little stepping stone. Like if they can kind of build that confidence to talk to us and it's like releasing light. And I talk to lots of people about it being like, if you have something on that you've kept to yourself for so long, you've built it up in your head that it's actually bigger than you think, and you then speak it to someone else, it pulls a bit of light to that situation. Mm -hmm. And if someone gives you a little bit of advice or someone goes, hey, look, I've actually been through that, it goes, you feel this like release of pressure, being like, what, I'm not the only person with anxiety or depression, or yeah. I'm not the only person that's had to go through grief and stuff like that. So it's actually quite interesting. And what I found is like younger groups of people or even, not even worse, but I guess they're kind of like, they haven't been through it before, or they haven't, mm. they're just like, man, so then it's kind of scary to be like, I'm the only person with this, until you kind of get a little bit older and a little bit wiser, that you realise like, actually no, a lot of people have got it, and like post-traumatic stress, and all sorts of things that come from earthquakes, fires, uh, all sorts of shootings, things. Um, no wonder we have some some messed up young fellas coming through. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not surprised by it at all, and uh, it's kind of one of those things that the timing's been pretty spot on, like throughout the whole, like starting the business, using it to do good. Uh, where we can is God's time has been on the majority of the things that we've done. Um, and to, by talking to people, it kind of just happens yeah. naturally rather than like a forced conversation. And it's weird the amount of things you ask to go and talk to people, uh, like a public speaking thing, talking to doctors and physios and orthopedic um, or occupational therapists and stuff on how to talk to people. <laughs> and they're like asking a barber, how, to, how do you talk to people? And I was like, this is the weirdest public speaking event <laughs> yeah. I've gone to, but I'll, I'll do yeah. it. And then there was another one that they hosted at an event in our space um, as one of the like, weekend conferences that they had. And we were one of the stop-offs to show um, how to kind of like talk about things. And I actually ended up speaking randomly in it um, about how, because they asked me, like, how do you do your conversations? And I was like, you keep it so natural and normal, you don't over analyze the conversation, because they were kind of over analyzing 
like counseling sessions where it was supposed to be just like a, a casual conversation. So it's quite interesting, eh? But and and I imagine a lot of what you guys are doing isn't so much talking but listening. Yeah. That actually people are feeling heard. Um, which if you haven't talked to anyone, that's pretty massive. Oh, it's huge, yeah. And and I've found that with, well, when someone said it to me, I can't remember who it was, but they said that you got two ears and one mouth, and I was just like, oh, crap. And I was just, that's when I realised, I was like, oh, yeah, it's there for a reason sort of thing. And, and a job like that, to one, to hear them, one, to remember the stuff, and so the next time they come back in, you can actually bounce ideas off what they were going through, um, and then thinking a little bit more before you split yeah. it out is, there, is another one. Um, it's massive, like an impact you can have on some young person's life or some old person's life. It's from a young person telling them some advice that you've got, they're like, "What the heck?" <laughs> but at the same time, it can flip the other way as well. They give you advice or like. So, I kind of had this one builder who was my first building boss, and he said, "Try learn one thing every day, and you'll never stop learning." And I'm like, "That's a good point." And but how I look at it is, I do haircuts for a day. And I get so many random job and occupations come through. So I'm constantly learning like random little facts about all sorts of jobs or people. And it's, it's pretty interesting because you take on a lot of stuff and a lot of info. So like obviously you talk to your barbers about that. And do they get it in terms of this is your heart for it? Do they get that as well? Um, I haven't actually spoken much to them about it. I right. just kind of... Like, because I don't want them to feel forced, like they have to have these conversations and stuff like this. I basically just say to them, I say, things are going to ha- pop up and you're going to hear about it either or. And like, what they probably see through social media is kind of where my heart kind of comes from anyway. They know mm. I go to church and stuff like this. So, so they know, like, we had a meeting on Friday and it was the first one in Yonks. We don't do lots of team meetings and stuff um, because I'm always around anyway. So, we're kind of communicating like all the time and somewhat. Um, so I kind of just let them choose where they go and some people go super super deep with the conversations and you can hear some weird conversations but um and that could be about all sorts of drugs alcohol you name it sort of thing um but it makes them how I look at it is like if they're talking it's good yeah <laughs> and so I just say whatever that person is comfortable like say if I go to one of the other barbers and I find that there's anywhere you'll there'll be some person that you click better with than others and so what I find is when some people will find that person that they like going to and they feel comfortable with they'll just carry on going to that person and I'm totally fine with it because I'm like I don't want to be mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people because you can't give <laughs> that yeah. uh, so, like all at once sort of thing so I just look I'm just like you just do your thing you just feel comfortable just share a little bit of advice where you get it and if someone's got a bit of a rough time and just just chat mm-hmm. and so there's no pressure there for them um, that's cool yeah have you got feedback from customers around this like the conversation side of it obviously there's the haircutting side of it and they want to get a good haircut or a good bedroom or whatever but what have you heard back from them about that kind of stuff well, yeah well because that's kind of how i hire i don't i used to go through this thing of like hire the best barbers in town as in cutting wise yeah i got to a point where i, I was struggling with uh, egos and uh, all sorts of things where people thought they were better than other people because they could cut better than other people and I, what I've soon realised is like, I don't actually want that I want someone that can do a good haircut 
um, but they're not cocky and they're not better than everyone else. And so with that, I guess, yeah, it kind of, it's a random, random sort of like mix of it. And it's worked well, but it's definitely a hard balance to find though. So um, I missed the question again. Oh, just <laughs> if like have your customers talk oh, to Oh, customers feedback, yeah. yes, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so like I was saying I, at that Justice Conference thing, I'd randomly just got a message in from a customer. I'd put a photo up of one of my staff and then um, this is just one staff member uh, called Leslie. He he is the one of the most randomest conversations and people will leave there being like, what the heck just happened? But they just talk about anything and like there's no area that's like a no-go zone like mm. if someone wants to talk about the weirdest stuff that like, he was like, all about it and he's just like this is funny like i'll just go with it and so customers will often say like um great haircut and that's what i'd like to see but um then they'll say like um but better chat and that's what i care more mm. about and so like i don't care as much about being the best haircuts in town i'd rather do meh haircuts like all good haircuts but then we have a place where people can come and chat. Mm. Um, same for like mums and kids and stuff, bring them in. Um, it's kind of hard sometimes. Like the other week we had a mum come in, she had a six-month-old baby and a three-year-old boy and he didn't want to get his haircut by himself. And so then there was like a six-month, she was trying to juggle them both and I was actually on coffees and so I ended up holding the baby walking around the shop <laughs> making coffees at the front counter with some random mum's baby and then just like and like things like that so like that's what we try to do a little bit more try to make it as comfortable as we can whether they're boys or girls or whatever i've seen a cool photo on social media of one of you guys cutting a um, kid's hair sitting on the floor yeah that's where yeah. the kid wanted to sit yeah so and so like little awesome. things like that i've got like uh, a little autistic boy um hunter that comes into the shop and he's funny he's like um, well, when we're in stations, there's so much going on, it's so loud. So what we've figured out over the years of doing it, like we used to do haircuts, I'd sit on the couch, and it, he would sit between my like between my legs on a little stool, um, or I'd try like lock him between my legs so he wouldn't run off mid haircut. Um, and then we figured out that if he puts sunglasses on, he kind of blocks everyone out. So we'd do the sides, and we're like, I'll put the sunnies on, and and put his sunglasses on him, or like sometimes he's like, I want to just get a haircut in my undies, and like. So bet you do you, mate. Oh, like, you're the one that's going to get itchy, not me. Um, just little things like that. Just like yeah. a haircut, if you go buy the books every time, is not always going to work. Like some kids are going to be like, nah, don't want to do that. Like, yeah. and so you kind of just roll with it. If the kid walks up mid haircut and wants to kind of walk around the basketball court, you kind of just carry on and do it and sweep it up later. And just it's kind of makes your day a little bit funnier. It's the random ones of it. So yeah, yeah. But awesome. So you got the the kind of the haircut and you got the support chat kind of thing going on is there anything else that you guys are involved in or yeah so we often do like my main kind of thing behind the scenes is um when starting the shop i had a lot of people reach their hand out and pull me up and so my whole thing oh denzel washington talks about it. he's like one of the most successful or the selfish things you can do is um help other people and i was like man it makes a lot of sense because it feels good anyway and then you can actually reach out to a whole lot of other people but i'm like I've had people pull me up and so he's like turn around and look back behind you and see who you can pull up and I was like that's a massive massive thing um, when it comes to like businesses encouraging 
bigger businesses to, to reach out to some smaller ones and help them out because the wisdom that they've got is massive. The wisdom that when you're a small, tiny little entity, uh, you've got no wisdom. You just, you're winging it each day, whether it means like you're trying to figure out who to go to see the bank, which bank's best, all these other things like this. Um, so my idea was that in the middle of a business is often people and then different like at the petals and the flower, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but different businesses around the outside that complement each other rather than compete with each other. There's a lot of pressure in business to, to do really well, make lots of money and be the most successful person by having the most money. And I'm like, mm. nah, I don't really care. Um, so I got to a point where I was like walking through a mall um, and you look around and it's all retail. And the only thing with retail is if I don't buy a t-shirt from this company, I'll buy it from this company which is two competing things and it just creates like this mm. yeah i don't know a real weird feeling but it's like it's not a nice feeling but where if you walked into a shop where it's like a mutually sort of everyone kind of complements each other compared to as in like the businesses complement like there's a little bit of crossover but it's not full-on competing um i feel like it'd be a better sort of vibe and all sorts of things that you go through um so my whole thing was like how can i create a business which is i've always had an idea of that the barbershop i'm in now is only a stepping stone and my finance lady will hate this but it's only a little stepping stone to where i want to get to and my whole idea of that was if that's going to be where i am now i want to replicate that on a bigger scale so i want to pull in some small businesses around me whatever that looks like i don't know um but i kind of feel like there's a big building Lot, kind of like what you guys got here and somewhat you've got little, lots of little things going on I wanted to have a gym in there I wanted to have some other people but kind of like pull one people and be like this is your thing this is my thing this is your thing and go around the big circle and like kind of have a space upstairs where you can go right all the different business owners what are we going to do let's focus on this area this month or this area this month, and just try to do things like that and try to like help mentor the younger people or get some interesting people to come in and speak to um the business owners because yep. the business owners then go into their own companies and they either have the decision to lead or just or be the dominance and sort of thing of through the business and and that's how they're going to lead or they can lead from from the front or they can lead from within and so different leadership styles but at the same time i think if you can find a group of people that want to do very similar you can have a massive like input into the community because like you could try different events you could do whatever you want to do you just go yeah. hey let's put a whiteboard up let's chuck some random ideas at a board and we'll do a paper scissors rock and we'll do that event and we'll come together and like if you have 10 businesses yeah that's massive like yeah that's and cool it's 10 amount of promoting 10 amount of uh, funds that could go into it and you could do it for very cheap um that doesn't end up costing you a lot of money just from 10 different because you just look around the context that you know through a room it's massive so, mm. a, um, so if that's the dream look what's going on at the moment for you with that kind of mentoring yes yeah, um, it's, it's it's the stepping stone at the moment which is um trying out different things i've got people renting out my office upstairs and then i've got um they need a space and he's just like i need a space so i'm like here's a desk take it um and then i've got nifty markets that come in all the time um i've had church events i've had parties i've had all sorts of things just trying out little ideas and just seeing what works what doesn't work so the markets work really well um, so pretty much Rosie I met her out in, I met her years and years ago but I bumped into her out in town and she goes um, well I'm looking at doing a market would you know of any places that would 
um, rent out just a big old warehouse. And I was like, well, I'm in a big old warehouse um, and I've got a basketball court and you could just use the basketball court. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, so you, you organize the date, you just send me a message, you find the vendors, you do everything and I'll give you the space for free. And that was at the start, just to see if it works. She did that and we probably had oh, easy 500 plus people come through that day. And the first day I was there and I was like, crap, this is a lot of, a lot of small businesses one for one. Mm-hmm. But this is a lot of people foot traffic through a building. And I was like, and then the next one we had, we had over a thousand easy just coming, flowing in and out. It was and packed, and packed so, when I was there. And so like little things like that, I was just like, that's how I kind of see it. It's like these business owners that are starting businesses um, New Zealand's got something like it's one of the easiest countries in the world to start a business um, because the government do make it quite easy to start one. The hard bit of it is having a business and then trying to make it sustainable. Like any, anyone can start a business, but to make it sustainable, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of ideas, I guess. Um, so, what my whole idea was with those small businesses is go, hey, here's a stepping stone to try some silly ideas out. And no idea is a silly idea until you figure it out there's a silly idea, but learn from it. So um, it's not going to cost them a bomb to go into it. It's going to just go, hey, this is what it's going to cost you. Um, it's cheap, and you can keep kind of charging with it. But And so they, cool. they, they've done, I've got another one this week, but they do them about once a month now. And um, she's trying to figure out if she wanted to, the whole idea was for her was if she wanted to do it. And I just said, only costs you hundred bucks to use the space, or fifty dollars if it's a small op shop one. And she's like, "Yep, nah, don't want to do it." <laughs> so like little things like that, but it gave her a chance before she signed a lease. Yeah, right. Um, so it's a good stepping stone to see, and then we just wanted to try some different different ones, um, and have a bit of a laugh along the way. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I saw recently on your social media as well, you're doing trolling little things like here's a clothing rack, put some clothes on it, take some clothes from it. You know those kind of things as well. Yeah. Do you, yep. Is that just another case of going? Where's their need? How can I help? Yeah. I, I just always had the idea if one person gets something out of it, that's enough. Mm. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that you need to hit the thousands and the millions of people to be an, an influence to people. That's and I awesome. Just, and so, I guess that's just a like a small thing that I've always had is like, I don't need to be. Uh, like that and so I always would come up with an idea and be like okay well I've got all these people that come through anyway what can I do and I'm like okay well, let's just try an idea so I used to do one that was like I'll trade you a coffee if you bring a can of food in and I put it in the Salvation Army box and I just had a Salvation Army box and I'd be like here's my can so they'd get like a dollar whatever a can is baked beans like a dollar fifty or something like that they could trade that for a four dollar coffee and I'd be like so I did that and filled a box of those up and I was just trying like random little things. So it was like bike tober, and I said, if you bike into the shop, I'll give you a free coffee. Well, little things like that with your haircut. Or um, the latest one was that the free rack that I had there, and it was I actually had went away at Bar, uh, yeah, to Bali for New Year's, and I realised how much like single-use plastic, how much clothing, how much like crap was just laying around the place, and I was like, dang, like this is coming. Like I went for a swim, and I was swimming through the thing with the turtles. Um, and we're doing some snorkeling and I was like pulling rubbish out and I was like, whoa, this is mm. actually a whole lot more serious than it is. And so it kind of came from that a little bit. It was like, going, okay, every year we seem to buy more clothes and do this. Why do you not downsize? You've still got, like, my room's a tip all the time because I've got too many clothes. And so I was like, right, there's still a clear out. You've got a clothing rack that's sitting in your corner that used to be at the shop. 
and it's sitting there on the ground. And so I was like, right, take that back to work, set it up and put some clothes on it. And if someone wants it, they can take it. And so I, I just put it online and I said, here's a rack. I said, I'll put heaps of my old clothes up there. Like, and I've still got heaps more to go through. It's just like, this is the easy pile. <laughs> and then there's the ones that are like, oh, I've got to part with that sort of thing. Yeah. And like, so it was more of a clean out sort of idea. And basically I'm like, if someone gets it or wants it, so I've had something given to me before, like, and I've been fortunate to n- enough to do some events with some different brands, and they and they give you some clothes. But I was like, well, if someone gives me something now, I try and go on the fact like, if I get a new T-shirt, I give one of my old ones away, or do something like that. I'm like, or try do something like that. It's quite interesting. It's quite a like a, a hard one because you're like, oh, that's my favorite T-shirt or something like this. So you try to figure out what what one you want to give away. But I'm like, if I don't wear it, and, I, and someone said that to me, it's like, if you haven't picked that thing up and used it in the last like three four months why do you have it and i was like because mm. it gets so easy to just to build up random crap around the place and if you have a big room or a big place it can be everywhere i love that idea you said about um like if it helps one person that's that's enough yeah um because a lot of i guess a lot of businesses that wouldn't be their their bar you know, they would be going, if it doesn't attract a certain amount of customers, then it's not worth doing. Yeah. Or, you know, if it doesn't bring in X number of dollars, it's not worth doing. And, you know, yet you're, here you are a barbershop, y- your primary business is cutting people's hair. And yet you're going, actually, we're about helping people. You know, that's one of the most important things to us is helping people. Um, and I just think that's awesome that when I look at this idea of, bringing a bit of heaven down to earth it's about just doing things differently and not buying into the the way that we're told this is how you operate a business yeah you know and to hear you going actually i could hire the best hair cutters yeah but they might not be the best people you know and i'd rather have good people um you know you're you're valuing certain things that um i guess a, a typical business model uh, wouldn't necessarily say that's the right way to do it. Yeah, and it's going against the grain. And, and I kind of, I still remember vividly going for a run. So, like, mum and dad have been quite into prophetic words and dad more images and, like, photos and pictures. Um, and I still remember going for a run around the block and there was, do you know when they did the um, the fibre cuts down all the pretty much they did a massive cut yeah. say you've got the, your footpath mm. and there was always that big strip that used to yeah. go down the thing and so they just finished doing that but I just remember vividly being like there's a strip that goes all the way down the middle and that's the path that I want you to walk but there's all these little things that go up driveways and he goes and I basically remember being God being like there are all opportunities where you can do something some of them are going to work some of them are not mm. but if they work cool <laughs> like little doors yeah. opening but often they're not going to be slammed in your face but just turn around and go back to doing what you're doing and go down and so like i just still remember that quite clearly being like just keep trying things like what's the worst that's going to happen like someone's going to say oh that didn't work or you're you're a failure like nah i'd learn from it <laughs> i'm like it's probably one of the best things you could probably do is learn from making mistakes and yeah. making things and as long as you don't injure people or hurt people will do this and stuff like this you've got to just got to do what you do yeah so has this barbershop journey impacted your faith journey? Um, massively, I'd say. Um, one thing that I kind of had was 
always knew God was there, but how I've seen it come through was like, okay, you are there, you do have my back. Um, and then probably to do with like how you, it looks a little bit differently to, to I grew up in quite a uh, small town, or a very small town, but like most of my friends were non-Christian. Um, and you kind of see people quite balanced. It wasn't like a, um, I'm only going to have Christian friends. I'm only going to have things like this. So you, you start to see things a little bit differently and you see some qu- problems. If you're always in the church and you're, all your mates are in the church and all your family's in the church, you don't see those problems because you're not around them. Um, and so my thing was, I see these problems on the daily. How can I use my business, which generates money, to do stuff and so I was like I feel like if I can help one person I feel mm. like God's in it and he's in this business and he's in it with me directing me like okay these people that we can reach that easily and and I don't even say that I'm like Christian and, um, and stuff like this like I've got tattoos on me and some bits and pieces like this where people kind of ask they're like why do you do this stuff and they ask the question and, and I've had interesting conversations with atheists all sorts of things like out in bars People come up to me and feel comfortable just dropping whatever's going on in their mind to me in a bar in the random night. And I just kind of crack up laughing. I'm just like, this is weird, but I can have input into so many different people's lives. Yeah. Um, and God's kind of all over it. And so I'm just like, I kind of know that he's there in the background a lot of the time. So it's kind of like impacted my life a whole lot differently. And especially just been like showing me a little, like I was talking to someone today about it. I kind of said it, this is quite early stages when I just, before I got injured. Oh no, after I'd been injured and after I'd heard the word about um, you're going to get injured today or whatever it was, um, I remember being like, okay, if you're, if you're there, I want you to show me someone to pray for. And he goes, I want you to pray for this person in a white t-shirt. This is at the front of church. I was sitting at the back. I was like, sweet, there's no one there with a white shirt. Um, and then he goes, just wait. And then on the far corner of my eye, I see this person walk up right at the end with a white T-shirt. I was like, oh, crap. Now I've got to go pray for this person because I said I'm going to do it. And so I went and prayed for the guy. I did it like a classic generic sort of prayer for him. And then all he goes, I feel like you're not sharing something um, to me that uh, God's given you a word for me. And I was like, oh, crap. Because the only thing I had for the guy was sore right shoulder. And I was like, if that's all you've given me, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like, this is going to be awkward. And also I said to him, all I've got is sore right shoulder. And he goes, I've never had a sore right shoulder, no problems with that. The, the minute I stepped through the door into the service, I got a sore right shoulder. And I was, he's like, wow. okay. and I was like, okay, yep, you're real. Uh, like, and I was like, then I just stopped yeah. questioning it. I was like, because I think we often, if something bad happens or something goes on, we the first person we do is like, why God? And it's like, mm, bad things do happen. Like five were passing away at the end of last year. Bad things do happen. Um, and the first thing I could have done is gone, why God? It's your problem, sort of, it's your fault. Mm. It's happened, sort of thing. But at the same time, we can't keep blaming uh, God for all the stuff that happens in the world. Or the world is a messed up place at the same time. Uh, and things and accidents do happen and all sorts of things happen but at the same time I'm just like you kind of just got to keep going and just trusting that he's still there he still loves us he's still got our back sort of thing and through the good times and the bad times or you often can get 
kind of caught up in the in the moment of a tunnel vision being like it's your fault but in reality he's like I've still got you I'm still carrying you and you guys could be a whole lot worse sort of thing so yeah. I think it's cool like on the flip side of that too you're also going and all the good stuff like I'm going to be part of that too like I'm I'm going to put my hand up to to be involved in that rather than just going oh yeah, God you do some good stuff I'm going to pray for all this good stuff to happen and then wait for it you know you're you're going okay I am going to pray but I'm also going to muck in and do stuff yeah know? and that's often what happens is I found that like trying to do it on your own strength and your power is like it's near impossible <laughs> you'll you'll never do it uh, so I kind of got to the point I was like let's just start kind of heading in the right direction that you're already going anyway and if it doors get slammed and dad always said it's a kind of funny one because he's a very non-PC person he goes if it feels like you're pushing shit uphill it probably is shit <laughs> and I always cracked up laughing and he goes and if doors are meant to be slammed in your fa- if doors get slammed in your face he goes just roll with it just turn around and keep going and, and so I, well, I cracked up laughing I was just like if they're not supposed to be like one we can, we can kind of question like that door was slammed in my face oh well that sucks it, all this or you can be like okay like have, just have the confidence like that was slammed in my face turn around keep going doing what you're doing another opportunity will pop up but don't like dwell on the oh this sucks and all this it's just like that's what it is not what it meant to be maybe the timing was wrong just keep going and so I went on that sort of journey and I think it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so it's been good fun though awesome oh we're at the end of our time but I just want to say thank you for coming in and chatting uh, and thank you for all the work you're doing through your, your business of just being there for people of just sharing goodness in the world and uh, bringing a bit of heaven down to earth so thanks Ben it's all good you so that was Ben Scott uh, I just love that whole idea that if it impacts one then it's worth it uh, you won't learn that at any business school. Yet with that attitude, Ben and his barbershop are making a big difference in a number of lives. Um, and in a city who have suffered their fair share of setbacks in the last decade, uh, many are just looking for a place of safety. And Ben is offering that in his barbershop. And so many other nuggets of gold in that conversation too. So Ben, we wish you well as you continue to do what you do to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Uh, Next time I talk to Emma Chilvers, who works at the Champion Centre, a specialist facility working with families of kids with what Emma calls disabilities, those who are differently abled than many of us. It's another remarkable conversation with an ordinary person doing ordinary stuff and making a difference. I'd love you to join me for that conversation. Until then, stay safe, look after one another, find ways in this lockdown to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Me inoi tato. E tō mātou matuai te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi, humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, mūro mātou hara, me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e harana kia mātou. 
Aua hoki mātou e kawia Kia whakawaia Engari whakorangi a mātou I te kino Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name May your kingdom come May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.